Hey everybody, it's so good to be back with you on our Speak Out Loud podcast. If you heard um, what we were talking about in our last episode, we um, invite you to continue to listen on the same topic. We are talking with Sam and Christy Dallas on the mental health crisis among our teens. And I can't think of a better topic to, to really tackle because of what our world is experiencing time and time again. Um, We want to remind you that we recorded this um, before the last just horrible, horrible incident in um, Texas. And we just want you to know that our hearts break and that we are praying. But we also want to come along and we want to help educate you so that that way you will know um, how to best minister and be in the lives of those who you love who may be in the teenage years. Such difficult, difficult, challenging years, more than we can ever imagine at this point. Stace, what I think this episode does so well is I think Sam and Chrissy give some great practical steps for both teenagers and for parents of teenagers. As we've as we've shared and as, as we shared last week, they have tons of experience in this area. And we really invite you to, to lean in and lean on to that experience. Most of all, we want you to experience hope. And there is hope. I know things that have happened recently can make it feel like times are hopeless to some extent. But but we really do want you to feel hope. And I think that in this episode, you'll hear that. You'll hear Sam and Kristen not only share hope for parents, but also what they're finding hope in. And there's some great personal things that they share. And I really appreciate their, their just transparency in sharing that. So we're excited to share this with you. And uh, we'd love for you to listen. Like Stacy said, if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and check that out. But here is part two of uh, this two-part episode. Um, you know, one of the things we said earlier is that none of us on this on this interview today, this on this talk, are doctors or therapists. We're not medical right. doctors. We're not professional counselors or therapists. We're not trained specifically in those areas. I think you know, Stacy and I bring our story and our thirty-year history of walking a journey with mental illness and mental health. Sam and Chrissy, obviously, you bring many decades of experience of working with students and just understanding teenagers. Um, and, and some of this we've already hit on, but. Is besides some of the things you've already shared, um, what are some things you think teenagers, young people today can do? What are some things they can do to improve their mental health? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go off of just, exa- you know, in my mind of the students I've seen that I think have a really healthy balance. Um, a lot of them were not, <laughs> I'm just going to say this, we're not given phones until they were older. Okay. So like we're talking high school. Um, and then even still, there were really strict rules on that. So that's that's the parents kind of helping protect their brain chemistry and all that with the technology. That's one thing. But um, students who already do have access to that can obviously set limits for themselves um, when it comes to that. But I mean, on a spiritual thing, on a spiritual outlook, it's all about what we see is who's the loudest voice in the room in your life? Like, And that, and you can judge that by what you're giving your time to, right? What has the most time? So we're obviously at school for long hours of days, and there's a lot of voices coming in our heads uh, at school, you know, as a teenager. Um, And then we come home, and then we only have, and that's the thing as parents, we feel that we're we're like, okay, I only have like a few hours in the afternoon or evening with my child to try and counteract all the things of their day. Right. right. So you you have to pay attention to what's the loudest thing in your life. So our teenagers, we are always telling them, like, if the only spiritual focus you're getting is 
Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, you're starving that part of your life. And, and you're, and that's not good for your mental health either. Right. And so we're, we're like, okay, where are practical ways you can start making God's voice louder in the middle of all the noise around you? Is that a Bible study at school with your friends? Is that, you know, some of our kids do what they call like a, a worship jog. They go jogging and they listen to their worship music or they listen to a podcast that's, you know, somebody, and that's their, that's their worship time. And they, so they're exercising and doing that. These are some of our track kids, you know? Um, and so that's, that's another way. So not only are you getting the exercise, but you're pouring the the spiritual component into it as well. What, yeah. what's on the radio? Is it enough to counteract the, the other times you're not listening to worship music or, you know, yeah. um, so improving, you know, improving mental health is so tied to all of those habits. It's in the little habits. And so if we can start training the little habits, well, you'll start to see that has an impact on the other, the big stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and like you said, sleep, I mean, that's huge mm-hmm. too. Something uh, Chrissy just said, I reminded me that years ago, I had kind of an aha moment with uh, mental health and all that. I, it's maybe obvious to some people, but I, I just realized that, oh, when it comes to mental health, it's really probably about a thousand small decisions that we make every day. And right. so granted, I will admit, of course, this is to the extent that you can improve your own mental health. Right. I understand that there are challenges beyond that um, as well. Uh, but to the extent that we can contribute to our mental health or to its deterioration, I think it's so many countless little decisions we make uh, throughout the day, whether or not we are going to go go for a walk or, mm-hmm. or have the sun shine on our face, the, the quality of conversations that we're having with people. And, and this is what I try to encourage parents to, 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 to seek even even if you're really jam-packed in your day because you've got the kids are in school all day and um, in the evening you've got there's practice and all these sorts of things that are happening and it seems like you have so few minutes to really impact uh, you know have a, have an engagement with your child it's the quality of that time that is going to matter more than the quantity I think a lot of the time for you to just have that eye to eye conversation with your with your kid about their day and to to let them know, not just from your words, but to feel uh, how much you care for them and for them to experience that from people around them um, and to have that level of care. And then what Chrissy said, you know, what, what kind of things are you putting in, into your, into your mind? You know, I'm not, I'm not like this legalistic person that says to my Christian students, you should only listen to Christian music at all times. But I do say, please recognize what, 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 um, uh, you know, what kind of messages you're taking yeah. in and yeah. are you taking those in constantly for hours a day? What, what is, what does that look like on, you know, cause those TikTok videos, um, you know, I, I, I watched some reels on Facebook and you can tell they learned real quick what kind of videos I watched for just more than a few seconds. Cause I started getting a lot of the same type of mm-hmm. videos coming to me. Those right. algorithms pick up on that. Yep. So what, what is, what are they constantly sending to you? Cause they think that this is what you're watching. Right. And then are you getting those messages constantly? Um, just absolutely constantly. And, and, uh, so yeah, I think all of these things are challenges and, then, and, and it's, it's not these huge sweeping, massive changes you're going to make probably that are going to be the most, um, impactful, but it's going to be, the, the little decisions you make every day that are going to build over time. Right. So and be playing offense. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, and playing offense with all of that, you know, like being intentional is, is huge in the habits. And, and of course, staying in the word. Students have got to study the word for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their little, again, the little two-second devotional or verse that somebody shares on social media is not mm-hmm. enough. I always tell my, my junior high girls, I'm like, you guys go everywhere with your phone, right? And they have their Bible app on there. Um, but I'm like, set a timer, you know, set a, an alarm. And one of my girls does this every day and right, you know, make an appointment with God, <laughs> like, you know, for your thing. When you put it in terms like that, like you've got all your other stuff, practices and everything on your calendar, make, make an appointment with God in there and say, Hey God, this is the time I'm setting aside where I'm really going to just, you know, uh, focus in on that time with you. And so again, it's in the habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, well, Sam, something you were saying a minute ago, too, about just the stuff we continue to get fed. I mean, let's mm-hmm. face it, the we don't probably very few of us, if any, understand these social media algorithms and how they work exactly. Mm-hmm. But they they will feed you, you know, they, they are only there to foster your addiction, essentially. Right. Yeah. And I see that in the, in, in the stuff. Yeah, I, I might watch a video like on Facebook about a uh, sports highlight. It mm-hmm. may like Every other post I see now on my Facebook feed is absolutely, is, yep. you know, it's every, I don't know that, you know, five different college conferences and they're sending me all, it's like, in, in, you know, you can get sucked into that. You can say, Oh, that looks interesting. And click on it. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm 20 minutes in, I just watched just wasted 20 minutes watching, you know, silly highlight reels of, of sports. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. Th- yeah. Those, those algorithms are so clever on Facebook. Watch same thing. I had some sports, things that I looked at. And now all of them are that <laughs> on Facebook reels. I, I was, we were kind of into real estate for a little bit there. And it's like constantly everything was about real estate, you know, it's like, it's amazing. It knew that I would, I would linger on a video for more than a few seconds. And so now it's like, here is all of them. See, so. and on the author side, I'm always trying to learn that system in my <laughs> <Sure>. Facebook ads. <laughs> yeah. you, know, try, you do. You try to create that experience within an ad that, you know, people will have when they're reading your book. And so, and it, I mean, it works like over half of my readership on Kindle Villa has come from Facebook and Instagram ads and they click on it. I can see, I don't know who's doing it, but I can see the link clicks, you know, um, right. how many times they click on that link and then go read. So it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's there for a reason. Something well, is always being sold to your students. So you've got to figure out yeah. again, what is what are they being surrounded by? What's being sold to them and what are they buying into? I read uh, or I follow uh, some different podcasts and different things. And one of the things they've talked about is is that um, the, the, the number one battle today, and this is mainly geared towards adults, it's not towards students or teenagers, but is is um, it's the battle for our attention. Mm-hmm. Our attention is the next new uh, battlefield. And so I think that that and, and that battle is being fought right now amongst young people left and right. And mm-hmm. it's having a huge impact on mental health. So, mm-hmm. um, well, what is something you guys you know, think about what teenagers can do? But obviously, this is a, this is something that's at the heartbeat of so many parents that we talk to. And, and I know that this weighs so heavily on them. Is when when your child is struggling with mental health or mental illness of some fashion, it is, it is, it is all hands on deck. It is a family issue. It is front yes. and center. Mm-hmm. So it is. What are some? What's some encouragement you would give to parents as they face these challenges within their families? 
And, and maybe you, you shared a few things already, but what are some things maybe in addition to that you would you would share that parents can do maybe to help their their teenagers? And the ones that are watching this happen, um, you know, it. We know that with some things, we've used the analogy of a bomb going off basically in your home, and you are needing to all kind of all hands on deck for the one who is truly suffering. Um, but then you see this kind of morphing of people around that might be younger siblings, older siblings, um, the other parent who's maybe not the one that is helping the student as much as the other or their child. Um, and and you see them also going through just this tragic time with them mm-hmm. and, and then they begin to suffer. So how do you, how do you, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's difficult. I literally had parents talk to me yesterday um, about some struggles that they're, they were having with uh, their daughter and some gender identity, you know, issues that she was having and how all this was very new. And they were telling me that she has struggled with a lot of mental health um, issues uh, over the years. And, and this girl's, you know, you know, brand new to the youth group or she hadn't been in, in a long time. And so um, I, I just encouraged them and just said, you know, listen, we're here for you. We want to uh, support you and encourage you. I let them know kind of how I deal with that issue. Uh, I just said, I want you to know that, um, you know, she's, she's going by this other name now. And I said, I'm okay uh, with, with using the name that she's told me her name is. I'm okay with that. Um, I will tell you that I will, I, you know, this is for me personally, I'm, I'm not going to use uh, different pronouns that she wants and she's not asked that yet. And so, um, so I just said, you know, I want to let you know how we are, how we are going to be doing this at the church. But uh, my encouragement is, of course, to continue uh, to give truth to her. And then at the same time to let her feel accepted, but not in the same way that the culture kind of um, this defines acceptance of acceptance. I think in the culture is defined as you will just agree with whatever it is that I, that I say and think and believe. And, um, I said, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's how we should define acceptance. And, and rather that this person is absolutely loved and invited and de- I desire for her participation in all the things that we're doing. And, and the family was very, you know, very, very grateful to that. But one of the ways that I'll also encourage families is to, and parents in particular, is to recognize that they can make changes. You see, I think what happens a lot of the time is that they've been doing things a certain way for a while that they feel like they don't have permission to change things like that somehow they'll be, they'll be viewed as like, it's hypocritical for me to make these changes or whatever. It's not, that's not what hypocrisy is. Mm. Um, I tell this to students as well for you to all of a sudden decide to stop doing something that you were doing is not hypocritical. Hypocrisy is defined as I say one thing and I do another. That's not the same thing as I was doing something yesterday or saying something yesterday. And today it's different. And so I think in the same way for parents to go, okay, I've got to, we've got to make some changes. Mm -hmm. We've got to make some changes in this household. We've got to decide to come together and to pray together as a family or to read God's word together as a family or whatever it might be. It does not matter that you've not been doing that for the last year. It does not matter that that's, you've not had that cell phone policy in the home for the last year. It's, it's today is a new day and you can make changes. Um, You can do things differently and it's okay to, to make that, uh, to make those decisions. Well, and I, I would just, you know, parents, like, you're in a battle for your kid's life. Right. In situations. 
And, and Stacy, you know that we've been in a battle for your life at times. Yeah. You know, and so that's like, make no mistake that the enemy is coming after this generation. He can't, he wants to seek to kill and destroy Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. that God wants to raise up that can foster change and bring his kingdom, you know, here on earth. And I, I, I try to encourage parents because I do a lot of hospital visits with my girls that are in, you know, a mental health institution and getting, seeking help. And, um, and I get to go in as clergy, you know, that's how I get in. Um, and I just, I tell these parents, like, you cannot ignore the spiritual warfare that is going on. And I, I'm telling y'all, like I've had demonic encounters um, through a lot of this mental health stuff, some of mental health stuff is masked uh, or is masking demonic oppression yeah. around these, these kids. Mm-hmm. And so we are learning like this is not just a battle that's fought medically. It's not just a battle fought emotionally. It's got to be fought spiritually. So mm-hmm. parents, you post scripture around your house. When your children fall asleep, go lay your hands on them and pray over them. And you pray the blood of Jesus over that child, over that house. Like you have to do the battle and you have to show up on all fronts. And so that's that's a huge thing that that I take with me when I go. And, and maybe that's why I continue to have those encounters because it manifests itself there with, with the spirit that I'm bringing there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, you know, we, we just got to baptize one of our students yesterday who was in a hospital, what, two years, two, yeah. three years ago that I was visiting in a hospital. And do you know whose book I gave her and her mother? Hmm. A little book by Stacy Getzinger. Oh, and that's really kind. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. I know. Well, I'm just going to cry talking about it. Cause in fact, her mom just gave me back. Cause I gave her mom, I bought a copy for an extra copy and um, gave it to this girl. And then I had given my signed copy uh, from her mom. Her mom just actually gave it back to me this last week. Um, and, you know, they, and she wrote, it was very interesting because she actually wrote a post when about her baptism and shared the video yesterday and talked about us in it. But she talked about um, the words she used were words that were in your book. And wow. it just, it's, it's really, you know, but that's the thing is like, you get it. And Stacy, you know, yeah. um, and Doug, you know, because you, you've fought, you're fighting that you've fought that battle for your wife. And sometimes you have to fight on behalf of that person until yeah. they are strong enough to do it themselves. So yeah. make no mistake. The enemy is trying to destroy your children. <laughs> and, you know, and one of the things and, that, you know, and Stacy and I have talked about this on, on some things previously too, but along with what you're saying there, Chrissy, is that, you know, recovery, dealing with these issues for a modern way of saying it, 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 it truly can't be a side hustle. It's right. got to be um, a priority. And I, and I think for us, and I would speak for me as someone that walked this journey supporting Stacy. I, I think for many years in those early years, I thought, Oh, this is just, we can just do this on the side, right? It's not going to have to be our main focus. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know, you know, things started really happening. I think when we made it more of a main focus, particularly me, I think Stacy was fighting that battle all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think I needed to get to a place where I'm realizing, okay, this is the number one thing 
our family is facing. Mm-hmm. We are all going to unite and, and put all of our energy towards this and behind mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. not just say, oh, we can just stick our toes in the water and kind of dabble with this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. And I think that that was so important and so critical. But I think for so many families and, and part of it, I get it. I've been there. I've been the guy in denial. And so I completely mm-hmm. I think a little bit of that kind of ticking, sticking your toes in the water, just put, you know, making it a side issue is a little bit really of denial. And I get it as parents. We don't want our kids. We, we just have we don't want to cross that bridge and say this is really this bad of an issue. Um, mm-hmm. To where we're going to rearrange our lives around this. We're mm-hmm. going to um, we're going to commit to this wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But I think you've you've got to get to that place to really see a turnaround come. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you you've got to commit. You just there's no half-hearted recovery that happens. Well, and I right. think by the time people realize, and the person that's even um, having the crisis. By the time they even realize um, how bad it is, they're tired. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember just going, I I can't, I can't say how tired or how uh, much I'm suffering anymore. I just, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't have the words anymore. I can't articulate mm-hmm. just how bad I feel anymore. And about that time, if people don't swoop in, that's when, you know, sometimes the, 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 the permanent damage happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just think that's why as parents, you know, we can't ever just close the door and go, well, they got this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That you feel like your, your, your kid, your spouse, anybody has just got it when they, when you feel like things are this um, detrimental in your home, um, you, you got to fight for them. And it's just like, you know, the Lord, the Lord can put that on your heart so many times and you got to act on it um, or mm-hmm. you're going to possibly lose a life. Mm-hmm. And I can say we have seen the turnaround. Like yes. we have seen some of these kids that have struggled with very deep things, um, abuse, uh, you know, all these things that have led to mental health and, and sexual abuse and you know, uh, verbal abuse, those are huge in a lot of the mental health problems that we've seen mm-hmm. as well. Um, but we've seen the turnaround. And then granted, we had some that it, it's going to it's going to be a lifelong struggle. It is. It's it's yeah. going to be medication. It's going to be, you know, p- them staying on top of it. Um, but there have been many that once they kind of get past these teenage years, it, it's and their their parents kept fighting with them yeah. um, or not fighting with them, fighting for them. Um yeah. You know, that you see, you can see the turnaround. So it doesn't mean that it's always going to be um, a, a struggle. Um, so I just, I want parents to know they're, they're, this is something that they can recover from too, yes. you know? Um, so to not feel so tired in the battle, but it, it is, it's, and then you, you get your support system around you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's what we're here for being in youth ministry and, um, we, we look at ourselves as a support to the family and a support to these students. So um, we're not the parents. We are there to support them. You know? Right. And, you know, you can tell the difference between parents who are struggling with this, with their, their child, and feel like they have a community and a support system around them and those that don't have that. I mean, literally their demeanor, their, their optimism, all of that is so much, a lot of the time in my experience, is not dependent upon 
how their child is doing at that moment, That's but whether right. or not they feel like they have a lot of support around them. That's right. Um, in my context and, and like at their church. And I think some of them felt like they lost that in the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there's an alienation that happened even for parents, mm-hmm. you know, especially like, you know, being in the home more and so, a lot of people stop going to church. Mm-hmm. And stop, you know, of their own choice. And, oh, it, it seems great for a while. But then when things start to fall apart, you know, because those habits have gotten out of place, mm-hmm. you know, we want we want to be that community to be like, hey, come back. Like, hey, right. we, we will walk with you through this. Like, you don't have to do this alone. That's right. So, but the, you're saying that and, and just as we're on the other side of it, we're going, but it's our responsibility to show up. And um, to allow people to um, come around us. And you sure. know, people sometimes will say, why do you guys talk about this? <laughs> why don't y'all just deal with it within the four walls of your home and everything? And it's because we want to start the conversation because we mm-hmm. have to when it's alone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We It's just like going underwater without your oxygen tank. God mm-hmm. knew that we were made for community. And so people start that conversation and bring people on like y'all to just go, you know what? It's okay. We're not professionals, but we have lived this with so many people and they are doing better and they are getting better because, because they're doing the full thing. It's not just like one apple in a basket. It's a whole bunch of things going on in that one, Mm -hmm. that one basket that, that lends to each other and not one can take the place of the other. There's no way I can get, through this um, without, you know, spending time with, with the Lord. And um, does that take the place of my medication? Not right now. Um, I don't know that it ever will, but by the same token, do I need to make sure that we're, you know, surrounded by community and does that take the place of anything? No. So it's just, Mm -hmm. you just got to go in hook, line and sinker. And we did not know that. And so that's why we want people to know you got to just go for it. You have to, Mm -hmm. or you're going to have a loss when you didn't possibly have to. Yeah, exactly. Because in the same way, you wouldn't say, will this medicine take the place of the community as well? And you would say, of course not. So yeah, it goes both ways. Absolutely. Right. And I think I think the key thing there you guys are saying is you can't walk this journey alone. Mm-hmm. In right. Whatever context you're in, you cannot walk this alone. What is some advice, guys, you would give to parents or to teenagers on how they can talk about their mental health and the struggles they may be having? I think the one thing I'd want to say to parents, and I kind of thought about this as a metaphor for what's happened in youth ministry over the years, you know, in 19 years in youth ministry, you can't help, but every now and then I'll have a student knock a hole in the wall, you know, um, somewhere in the building or something like that. There'll, there'll be some kind of accident or something like that. And there've been times that I've had students come to me and say, Sam, I knocked a hole in the wall. Here it is or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just like, thank you for telling me, you know, like it means so much to me that you, you told me. And I recognized that they felt like they could do that. And yeah. then there have been sometimes that I found stuff like that out. And it's it's uh, because I came across it myself and I realized that, oh, a student didn't tell me, you know, that they they did this and or they broke this or whatever it might be. And I, and in those moments, I often think um, I wish I wish that they felt like they could tell me something like that, you know, that they they that they could do that safely or whatever. And so in, in the same way as I think about having, a, you know, we have two children 
And um, I imagine, you know, the, the things they're going to do when they're older. Uh, we think about our seven-year-old Jasper and some of the trouble that he'll end up getting himself in, I know. Um, if he were to have, as a teenager, do the dumbest thing that he could possibly do in the world, make a, the biggest mistake, what I really desire more than anything is for him to go, I've got to go to my dad, you know, yeah. or to my mom about this. I've got to go like this. That's the person that I need the most right now is to go to him and, and, and tell him, you know, what happened or what trouble that I'm in. And it will be sad to me if the opposite will have happened, if he'll feel like I need to cover this up in some way or, or need to, because it's not safe to go to my parents about this. It's not safe to go to my dad. Um, uh, granted, you know, there's still punishment. There's still consequences. I get all that. But, but I think it's, it's so important that your child feels as though they can come to you and talk to you about anything. It might be. And that's not going to be one conversation that you have to tell them. Uh, that's not a, a, a tell, don't show. You got to actually show, not tell them necessarily that they can come to you about anything. You've got to really have a, build a relationship with them in such a way where they become convinced that I can go to my parents about whatever it might be. And so that then they feel comfortable um, talking to you about mental health struggles and things like that. Yeah. One of the things we always tell our boys, and we're obviously we're putting it in in terms they can understand, but we're like, Hey, we're your team. Mm -hmm. We are on your team. Yeah. You lie, you kick us off your team, mm -hmm. but your teammates have your back. We are going to be there to handle whatever problems come. If a problem comes, we're going to make it our problem too and help, help you walk through it, you know? But we're like, man, the second you lie. So, you know, we've dealt with the lying stage of childhood and mm -hmm. you know, the second you lie, you've kicked us off your team. Cause now I can't back you up. I can't support you. Cause I don't know. Um, and so we just kinda, yeah, we just kind of keep using that, that, that language with our boys. And we plan to do that as they get older. Like, Hey, we're your team. We're your first, we're mm -hmm. your first team, not your coach. We're your team, you know? Um, and so, although, so good. I feel like the coach most of the time. <laughs> but, so yeah, I think when, that's the same with mental health, you know, and, and, and the problem with mental health is they don't always have the right perspective of people around them. And so, you know, that that's where they may not come to you because they don't, their, their mind is not in the healthy place and in a good place to know where their support system is. But if you spend years like, you know, uh, training them to understand that, then yeah, you can talk through those things and, um, you know, give them the perspective they need. Because I think so much of mental health issues with teenagers too is perspective because yeah. again, what are all the voices around them and who are they hearing the most? So we got to, we got to combat that with the right perspectives and the right mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. Sam. And I think, I think what you said for, for parents and families to create safe spaces to talk about mm -hmm. their mental health. Absolutely. That can be difficult to do, but I, but I think many times the, the parent may have to initiate that. It's right. Probably because for a lot of times a young person may not even know how to verbalize. Right. Right. Really, what's going on inside of me. And, and unfortunately our culture, just even the messages too often, and it's changing some, but we get from our peers, from media, from other places is, well, those are weaknesses we have to cover up. And so mm -hmm. I think that a parent needs to take the initiative to say, we're going to create the space where we can talk about this. And this is a safe environment. And it's not something to be, we're going to be shameful of. We're not going to be ashamed of this. We're going to talk about it. I remember when Stacy was, was in treatment and in inpatient treatment, you know, one of the conversations that our youngest daughter, Riley and I had, um, Riley was in high school at the time and we had gone up to spend a weekend with Stacy and we were driving back to Oklahoma city. 
And at the time, you know, there's several factors. We know the one, there's genetic dispositions to certain things. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Riley at the time was very, very engaged, very talented, and also very engaged with ballet, particularly and competitive dance. And there's, mm-hmm. a, there's environmental factors there as well as potential genetic disposition that could lead to some struggles, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and so we had a conversation. One of the things I just said to Riley was I said, I don't care how old you are. If you ever find yourself facing these kind of issues, Riley, one, you've seen your mom bravely walk this journey. And I think Stacy set an incredible pattern and example for, for dealing with this. But I said, you've got to come to us as your parents. That's and, great. and I was trying to tell her, I don't care if you're, you know, the age I am now, in my, at the time in my 40s. I said, mm-hmm. one, we've, we've mm-hmm. walked this road. We, we know how to get treatment. We know what it looks like. Yeah. We know how to help, mm-hmm. help. And the worst thing you could do is not tell us or tell somebody and not get help. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Very receptive to that. And it led to a very just good conversation. And, and you know, our, our daughters have, have, have been much more able to deal with their own mental health, I think, because we've created an environment where we can talk about it and they can talk about it. So I right. think it's, it's got to be intentional and usually it's got to come from the parent down where that, where that kind of atmosphere is created. Well, yes. mm-hmm. and what I think of is have those relationships pre-existing with your youth minister, with your youth minister's mm-hmm. wife, with your community, with your parents. So mm-hmm. that that way, when you, when you deal with something, whether it be mental illness or otherwise, you have to go who am I going to go to first? Because I have so many people that yes. are up to the challenges that I'm going to face in my life that I need to make sure that I go to one of those people because I mm-hmm. know without a doubt, even if they can't articulate that or think that in a full, um, you know, in a full thought, mm-hmm. I have so many people who care about me that they're not going to judge me or turn me away that they are absolutely going to speak truth into my life and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I may not know how, I may not know what that's going to look like, but I'm going to be okay because I already, for lack of a better way of saying, I already have this tribe. That way you're surrounding that person with, with people who love and care about them and you're going to see them through it. I think anxiety, depression, all these things that are in, in the, the truth is out there wherever you want to look at it, they're on the rise. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can't explain that away, deny that away or anything. Right. And I think it's going to have to be met by a rise of, of, you know, a young person having, in many cases we would hope it's their parent. Right. But in some cases we recognize it isn't, or it can't sure. be right. a, a caring mentor adult in their life. Right, safe place, and if if it's not a parent, certainly it could be a a pastor, a youth pastor, a church, a teacher role mm-hmm. that you guys have played for so many years. It could certainly be a professional therapist or counselor that that works with them. Um, but but a young person needs that, and as parents, we have to then also be willing to say, if if for some reason I can't provide the help or it's just not clicking with me. Let me find that person for them that will work. Hope is lost when there doesn't seem to be any way out. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of families particularly are feeling that way, partly because right now, if they're seeking professional treatment, there's a waiting list probably three months long or longer. If mm-hmm. they're needing inpatient stay, they may be looking at a six-month to a year-long wait for inpatient. Wow. Stay. Yeah. 
for when they're in crisis right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So families need hope when they're staring down. I can't get them to that right spot. And so um, these are some, 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 some simple steps of hope, but at least hope comes in progress. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving in the right direction. And these are some ways that I think families can move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, as we speak about hope, um, you know, one of the things we love to ask our guests is just what is giving you hope right now? It could be family, it could be in your work with young people, something else, you know, something else. But but for each of you guys, just just what would you say is giving you hope personally right now? Sure. Yeah, definitely in, in youth ministry in that context. Before I really felt that I needed to um, engage in this family ministry, it, it started to feel a little bit like I had a vacuum in the desert, and I'm like supposed to be cleaning this place up, and it just seems like <laughs> yeah. this is not gonna this is not gonna work, you know. And and now as I've transitioned into a family pastor role at my church, and and I've already been encouraged because we we were, I mean I told I told all the families at our church last week that I I, I view. The, I think the mother and father, if they are believers in the home, are the top two disciplers for their their child, and that the youth ministry and the youth leaders are a distant third. And um, I just got a lot of encouragement from them uh, for that. And and I feel like partnering with parents is 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 now I'm much more optimistic about um, about ministering to teenagers um, in this culture. I feel like partnering with parents and, and teaming up with them um, in this way and, and being a part of their community and, and but in making sure that they recognize their need and to be a necessity uh, as a part of that for their child yeah. um, has just is, is maybe more optimistic about uh, battling, you know, in, in this culture against lies and being able to prop up the, the truth of God's word and, and, um, and what the Lord calls for us in our lives. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting that y'all asked this question because six months ago, I, I've never struggled with hope in my life. Like I've always been a hopeful, adventurous, free-spirited person and, yeah. and been able to roll with whatever. And But, you know, six months ago, I had a stroke. And um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I, I'll be honest, I'm sorry. Um, mm. You know, for the first time in my life, I really struggled with hope um, for, you know, about six weeks there and um, just trying to see where the light at the end of the tunnel was and what my new normal was going to be. And <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, I know that a lot of people have prayed for my healing mm. and, and I think it's wonderful to pray for healing but there are some things that are irreversible, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think this applies to mental health too. Um, sometimes, you know, like Stacy, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment for you. Yeah. And, and for me um, to be able to just rest and not knowing how to pray for myself um, through some of that, but just being able to rest in Jesus and know that his presence is here in this broken world. Yeah. And I think um, to be able to trust that there is ultimate healing coming. And yeah. it may not, it may not be here, you know? And so as people are wrestling with things that are coming at you that are trying to get at your life, at your ministry, at your kingdom work, because we all are doing that as a Christian, whatever 
you know, capacity we hold in our jobs, we are on mission wherever we are. Mm. And I think to rest in Jesus' presence sometimes and to just know that healing is coming no matter Mm. what and that God is going to make all things right. And that has brought me so much hope um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we go through hard things and we don't always know why. um, And we don't always know why our bodies don't work the way they're supposed to. (laughs) But, um, but, but God's presence is, or our minds. I mean, that's that's what all part of it. Um, But God's presence is here and he's active in our lives, no matter where we are, what we're doing. And Stacey, you are such a testimony of that because I never, you know, I always hoped for you years ago that you would have a ministry like what you guys are doing right now mm. with, and and to see Doug come alongside and do that because Doug's always been ministry minded, but to see y'all mm-hmm. take this together, like I hoped that for y'all for so long. Um, but you know, Thanks. it's, there were so many things coming up against it. I didn't know, you know, you never yeah. know when you're in that battle. And so yeah. I'm so thankful for what you guys are doing and just the message, there's a lot of talk out there about mental health, but I always tell people when I refer them to your podcast or to your book, I'm like, but this is a very godly way to handle it and to look at it and to deal with it. And mm-hmm. it's hope. Y'all always provide hope and mm-hmm. that's what people need. And so I'm thankful for you guys and just encourage yep. y'all to keep going with that. Um, Thank you, so. Chrissy. Thank Chrissy, you. we appreciate that and appreciate you guys both sharing Thank so, you so much. openly mm-hmm. and vulnerably about just some of those things you guys have been going through. So um, to our listeners, unfortunately, when we talk, we're talking over computer. Our camera normally works. And today our camera is not working, so we can't see Chrissy and Sam can't see us as we're as we're talking to them. We can see them, but uh, I wish you guys could see us right now and just see that. Uh, yeah, we're we're engaged and um, we're right there with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I appreciate what you're sharing. So, Thank you I for personally am glad nobody can see me right now. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you look beautiful, Chrissy Dallas. <laughs> Thank you. We, do. we we love you guys so much. And, um, and, you know, we're, we're both on social media on Facebook, obviously as an author, I'm in a lot of different places, you know, people out there want to find me and connect or have questions about any of the things we've talked about or writing or, you know, any, any of the, any of that. Um, this is our heartbeat too. So yeah. we're thankful for the opportunity. Well, we're going to we're gonna make sure you. all that shared on the show notes. So yeah. if you as our listeners would love to learn more about Sam and Chrissy, uh, their, the ministry they have through their church, uh, the Chrissy's books is to, uh, any number of ways to connect with them. We're going to make sure you have access that to them. And we'd love for you to reach out to we them and, mm-hmm. and, and get some of their stuff, find out more of, about them and what they do. And I think you'll definitely, as, as hopefully I know you have been today, definitely be encouraged as yeah. we've been encouraged. And, and these, these people have been um, just, if anything, you guys have been voices of hope and encouragement in our lives, particularly Absolutely. as we've walked this, this mental health and mental illness mm-hmm. journey. But yeah. But in many ways, beyond that, even just in every area of life. So that's right. Hey, to that's all right. of our listeners, we just want to wrap up today's show by thanking you, thanking you for for listening, for being part of the Speak Out Loud podcast and this community of hope that we are creating and developing. One of the best ways you can help us with that is by sharing this just this this podcast. 
Um, we need you. We would love for you just to, to share this as a resource. And we thank Chrissy, thank you for just telling us even how you've shared Stacy's book and share with others about this resource. Word of mouth is going to be the best way this gets to people that need hope, that need encouragement. Yeah. So please, on your social media channels, if you would share it, just as you talk to other people that may be going through similar struggles, let them know about the podcast. Let them know about some of the resources that Stacy has available through Speak Out Loud. And if you've got a place where you'd love for, for Stacy or even both of us to come and speak, we would definitely love to come and do that. And we'll find a way to work with you to make that happen. So, but um, yeah, so, so please help us out in that way. I think um, it just helps spread this message of hope. Yeah. And that's our purpose and our goal. And, and we want that to get out there. We so sure uh, we appreciate you guys listening until the next time for the speak out loud podcast. Uh, we're out. We'll see you then. Thanks you guys. Love y'all.